So Chris Pleckenpel, he's a, he's a commander in the, in the military, and his, uh, his, his story is, is amazing. He was in charge of 100 men. And so that tells us he's a modern-day centurion, right? And in that, he says, I was not willing to die for the enemy. And it makes us think about our lives. Are we willing to die for those around us? Are we willing to put ourselves second for those that are in our lives, for our friends, for our family, for our enemies? And it helps us to kind of grasp how grand and how big this Jesus is who came and died for us. And we were not friends of God. We were enemies of God, walking opposite direction from God. Amen? And yet he was willing to do that for us. Today we're going to be talking about who was first. We have a habit, think about this, we have a habit of dressing or acting like those that we admire. If you love the Cardinals, you're going to be dressing in red and white. Some of you in here are Seattle Seahawks fans, and yeah, I know. You're vocal about it. Yeah, okay. And game day, you, you tend to dress in, in different ways. If you're a Raiders fan, you dress in silver and black. If you ride a Harley, you tend, you tend don't, don't get me wrong, but you tend to dress in black, maybe leather. Our clothes, our mannerisms, they tend to mimic our friends, our peers, and our preferences. As people, we have a knack of reflecting the things or the people we love with our dress and with our actions. Would you agree? In fact, I would say that you can tell a lot about a person's interests, what they love, what your priorities are, just by watching how they live their lives. I want to use four things to help us to kind of maybe grasp who is first in our lives and how we prioritize our lives and maybe let God redirect our priorities. And I think the first place to start is not who is first, but I would say point number one would be what is first? What is first in your life? Because we all have priorities. Favorites, dreams, and goals. We all have things that we focus on in our lives. Some, for some of us, it's our families. How many of us focus on our families? I mean, we, that is a priority, and that's not a bad priority. How about personal health and fitness? How many people in here love to work out and you make that a priority? There, you will make time in your day to work out and to eat right. 
It might be your career. There are many that focus on a good career and to, and to make a better, better, uh, uh, better life for you through your career. Or it could be our relationship with God, that you prioritize that and you make it your goal. But have you ever noticed that our priorities are always being tested and stretched? And our priorities come into full view because they are displayed by our choices. We might say one thing, but what you do is going to show what our priorities are. Are you with me? We go to work to feed our families, but in doing so, sometimes many miss out seeing their families as much as we like or as much as we should. How many times does work and more work and more work get in the place of some things that maybe should have more priority? How many wives are in here and you'd love for your husband to finish the honey-do list. But you find that there are always things that keep bumping it off your schedule. The husband's in here saying, amen. Hear the preacher. We want to eat healthier, we want to exercise, we want to pray more, we want to read our Bibles more, and many other good goals, but usually something or someone will tempt us away from our priorities. We've got these smart devices now, and every time you want to read or you want to pray, you get tempted to look at Twitter, you get tempted to go on Facebook, you get tempted to go on Instagram. You want to see that next picture. Are you with me? How do I know that you're tempted? Because I see the posts in there. And they're wonderful. But here's the reality. Our true priorities and our true loyalties will always show you see, we ultimately do what we want to do. Amen? We focus on what we really care about. We get done what we really want to get done. We will make room in our day for those things that we really want to do. We will rearrange our schedule so that we can really put the priorities that are important to us first. If our careers always seem to take precedence over God and family, it's because we, I'm going to be real careful right here, it's because we care more about our careers. If we prioritize being popular with people, it will usually dictate what choices we will make. Our choices will always illustrate what people care about instead of what maybe. God cares about. How many times have we ever tried to please people instead of pleasing God? How many times when you do that and try to please people instead of God, does it take us away from our relationship with God? 
if money or honor or pride or a nice set of clothes, maybe a new car, if they consume our thoughts and direct our behaviors, then it's because that something is more important. And we can say everything we want to say. I mean, think about it. I'm talking to myself here. I can say all kinds of things, but my priorities will always show. Amen? Jesus helps us here when he said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. And here he's talking to people about all the things that, that concern individuals. The clothes that you wear, the food that you're going to eat. He said, and the money that you're going to have. And he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then everything else that you want, everything else that you need will be given to you. That helps me so much. He's telling his listeners, don't let stuff take priority of who's important in your life. He's insisting for his people to get our priorities right. Takes us right into point number two. Which is simply, we have one lifetime to choose. There's no one in this room that has not been impacted by death. It could be a grandparent, it could be a parent, a friend, a husband, a wife. But most of us have someone that we have loved, that we've lost. I mentioned to you guys that I am dealing right now with my mom in her you know, final days. That could be a year, that could be a week, that could be a day. I'll be going to New Mexico this week, spending time with her. I am making it a priority to go spend time with my mama. Chris uh, Pleckenpal, he, he saw death on the battlefield and it really impacted him. He really had to apprise uh, uh, his life. He had to appropriate his priorities as he did that. War does that to people, amen? There are some in here that you have been impacted through war. You've been in the military and you've seen things. Some of you have been police officers. Some of you are, are ex-fire uh, 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 men. And, 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 and so you've been impacted by different uh, uh, tragedies and death. Sometimes we see death in the form of cancer or a heart attack. Sometimes in a car accident. The list goes on and on. And even with all of the medical advances, we have learned how to delay death. People are living longer than they ever have before. But here's the thing. We will never have a cure. No one will truly escape its grips. It's kind of heart-wrenching, huh? But here's the good news. Jesus is our only hope for escape because he's our hope for life abundantly on earth and life eternal with God in the new heaven and the new earth. 
death reminds me that we have a limited window to choose what will be our priority. I think death, when you really look at it, it, it really speaks to us and it gives us an opportun uh, opportunity to choose what is important to you. It reminds us that the day will come when our lives will be measured and the things that we really care about exposed. That's why I have no problem sharing some of the junk that God has brought us out of here. Because there's only one perfect one, and that's Jesus Christ. And there will be a day that everything will be shouted from the rooftops, the Bible says. And I don't, I don't want it to be that day. I'd rather tell you now and let God say, good job for putting me first. Are you with me? We all fall short of the glory of God. And maybe this is why Joshua said, if it's, if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord. In other words, are you having a problem to serve the Lord? He said, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. That says you are living, but the, but the context is you're living here now. But as for me and for my, and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, that, 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 that verse just jumped out at me. And it, it says that, that the Bible reveals that there will always be false gods or there will be counterfeits that will try to make the true God second. There will always be something in our lives that will come and take precedent over the true God who deserves our worship and our time. And he begins to tell the, the Israelites, he says, those gods that your father served across the river in your past. And it spoke so, so clearly to me. And it says, it showed me how there was a day in my life when there were so many things that, that, that pulled me away from God. That was my past. But those were those little gods that tried to take the place of the true God. And then he says, and then you, the God of the Amorites, he said, in the present time, there will always be something in our lives, whatever it may be, that will try to take the place of the true God. He said, but for, as far as, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I think that's just so cool. He made a, a public declaration to all the people he said right now we're going to choose to serve the lord right now and every day we're going to make him a priority because here's the thing beloved in the future there will be things that will come into our lives and try to take the place of god and here's why it's so important Today is so important because tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Well, pastor, this is kind of a depressing message. No, it's a truthful and honest message. Amen? Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. And it, and it brings us to point number three. It brings us to the place that we're going to go into the scripture text that uh, we've selected. Point number three is the, the, uh, the Bible story on who is first. 
And the first thing that I want to say is that Jesus is first. I know that many of us in here, have we've heard the story of Jesus countless times. You've heard of Jesus dying on, 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 on a cross to save the world from its sins. You've heard it over and over. You're at church, and, and so you hear, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus came to this earth to die for your sins. But I don't know if everyone has stopped and considered the depth of his sacrifice and the seriousness of his offer. The Bible puts it like this, and we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2, and, and in verse uh, 6 it says, talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Who in the very nature of who he is, he's God. But yet when he came here, he didn't consider this equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. And he could have because he is God in the flesh. I think we need to grasp the fact that Jesus was not just a good man wandering through life when he decided to take on the sins of the world. He was not just a good man trying to save mankind. Beloved, Jesus is the Son of God. He's equal with the Father. He is God. This is so much bigger than any puny kingdom that you've read about in history books. He's the king of the universe. His role is bigger than the office of president of the United States. He's bigger than any other emperor that has lived on this earth. He's God. And yet Jesus did not take his role on this earth as a time to make it about himself or to manipulate, manipulate people for self-gain. He used his position as son to obey the Father and to save mankind. Let's just think about it. He used it as a chance to live second. He used his time on this earth to display who was really first and who really deserved top priority. This is big, beloved. This is, this is, this is huge when we grasp it. Jesus made himself second. Jesus Christ made himself second. And the Bible continues to describe Jesus' sacrifice when it says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on 
a cross. Now think about this. Jesus is not like us. Would you agree with me on that? He's not like us. He, he was not diagnosed with a terminal sentence of death. He's the author of life. We prayed with someone just earlier, and we, we, we prayed that exact thing. Jesus is the author and the giver and the sustainer of life. He wasn't diagnosed with, like us, that he would one day be, have his terminal sentence of death. He's God. But he stepped down from his position of authority. He gave up his rights as the son of God, as the ruler of this universe, and he made himself a servant and a slave. Man, that is like, let's just ponder that. He's a sustainer of life. He's the author of life. And yet he stepped away from that. He became like us. But I don't even think that he became like us in every aspect because he came and he served us and became a servant and became a slave. Are you with me? He suffered like humans suffer. He experienced the same things that all of us experience. The disappointments. How many of you ever think that Jesus was disappointed in his life? The betrayal. Do you ever ponder that Jesus was betrayed? How many of you have ever been betrayed? How does it feel when you put your trust in someone and they betray us? Jesus knows that. The hunger, the thirst, we read in, in this series, we read about the Samaritan woman and how Jesus had stopped because he was weary and tired. And what did he tell the woman? He said, give me a drink. So he was thirsty. So he knows exactly what we, we go through, all the things that we go through. He, he had a thirst, hungry. He probably had a runny nose. We don't think about those things, but he became like us. He probably stubbed his toe. He faced it all. And in the end, he gave himself up for death. He gave himself up for death. He lived a perfect life. He didn't live a good life. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled his mission on earth. He obeyed his father perfectly. He did not deserve dishonor. He did not deserve public execution. He should never have been had a trial that was rigged. But that's what we gave him. That's what people gave him. And beloved, he gladly accepted it. And he gave up his life. So that we could escape death. 
gladly accepted the shame, the betrayal, the disappointments, and all of these different things for exchange of something. He became second because he wanted you to be first. As they mocked him, as, they, as they, those people that had spit on him, those people that had pulled his beard out, as they talked about him on the cross, he said, Father, get him. No, that's what we would have said. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His story challenges us. Because when you really grasp it, 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 it kind of speaks to us and it says, what have we given up for God? Setting priorities is essentially an act of deciding what we will give up so that we can do what we really want to do. Hear me now. Setting your priorities is really about what you're going to give up so that you can do what you really want to do. Amen? Amen. We will do what we want to do. Jesus, God in the flesh, the author of life, what he wanted to do, what he prioritized to do was to please the Father. And what he really wanted to do in pleasing the Father was to restore you and to restore me and to change our hearts. And to change our lives. And to make us first. When we dress in Dallas Cowboy colors, we let everyone know that we're rooting for our team. When you dress in the Raider colors, you're saying, I want the Raiders to win. I feel for you. When you're going, go cards, go cards, and we get crazy. And here's the thing, you know, in church we're like this. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. At the games, you're, come on, come on, yeah, touchdown, high five. No, I have seen some of you at ball games. We will make room for our priorities. We will make room for our teams because we want them to, to win. When we make time to talk with God and learn from his word, we announce that God is more important than the other things that take up our space and time. Jesus... He demonstrated his priorities by giving his life. He demonstrated his priorities by giving himself up for you. And for you. His priority in coming to this earth was to save those who were lost. Me. strain our lives out to, to begin. And, 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 and you know, can, can I tell you something? His, his, his first priority was not for your life to change and become good. 
That was not his first priority. His first priority for you was for you to know that he loves you right where you're at. Before you've ever changed, before you become this church person, before you become uh, what the other world would, be, would say, what the world would say, religious, before you do any of that, he came so that you would grasp the fact that God loves you where you're at. He made himself second so that you could be first. Beloved, this is God doing this, how many of us would have a radical mindset change to say, God, if you did this for me, what can I do for you? See, we don't have to read our Bibles. We are able to read our Bibles. We have the honor to read what God has given us in his word. We don't have to pray. We have the privilege of talking to God. Can I tell you, it, it is so much better to talk to God than some people. Have you ever left a conversation with someone in your family or your friends and you're like, why did I even go and talk to them? You will, that, that, I know it's important. I know it's probably a text from Jesus. I know that. <laughs> but can I tell you something, beloved? You'll never leave a conversation with God ever saying, why did I go talk to him? We'll never leave it. But see, priorities and these small gods will always try to take the place of God. And can I tell you, we're living in a world where these smart devices, I'm not, I got a smartphone. I, you know, I love it. I can do all kinds of things with it. But can I tell you, it will vie for God's attention. It will vie for the attention that I should be giving God because there's something that you want to know what's happening. We live in an information age where we know things instantaneously. Things that are happening in Paris, in, in Denmark, all over the place. The minute they happen, they're posted. We know before they know. But what do we give up for the one that has Breathe life into our existence. Kind of sobering, huh? Jesus paid our debt. Jesus paid our debt. He shows me that I was his priority. He died on the cross to pay my debt. And beloved, you are his priority as well because he went to the cross to pay your debt in full. With every evil thought that leads us to displease God, with every hateful word and selfish motive, we continue to make a deposit into an account. Every one of us. Our debt grows with every act of disobedience. It grows and it grows and it grows. Some of us have debt accounts that are, whew, they're leaning over. 
And the price for every single deposit of sin is what? What is the price for sin? Death. And we have all filled a lifetime's worth of these debts. It would be a hopeless situation if it wasn't for Jesus. But can I tell you, beloved, it's not a hopeless situation because Jesus is good. What Jesus did on the cross through his death is empty all of our accounts. He took all of those all the debt, all the things that we put into those accounts, all the sin. He cleared away our past, present, and future debt by sacrificing his life for ours. He did not owe a debt himself, and yet he took it upon himself to pay ours. I'm, I'm going to read this, this, this testimony, this praise report. It just fits right there. No name, but someone in, in, in this church just put this as they're going through this I Am Second campaign. And it fits because Jesus came to pay the price that we owe. This young lady put, or middle-aged lady put, this study and the group that I am in has been a blessing to me. I have learned we all have a story that has brought us to Christ. Say amen if you agree with that. The temptations that Satan used in my life to bring me from being second are not unique temptations. Others have faced the same challenges that I have. I look back and see the times when I have been aware of God in my life. I let Satan pull me away again. Low self-worth led me to thinking I had to have a sexual identity to have an identity at all. Sex and porn, it was all there to pull me from the Father who would show me the forgiveness and love that my soul was craving. When I was living away from God, love, from God's love, it destroyed relationships and it pulled me down to the gutter. Then God brought me here to LWC where I finally understood the love God could give me. Even though I see myself like the woman at the well, he still loves me and forgives me. I am his child, and I am second. Can I tell you, there's nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing like grasping the fact that Jesus paid our debt. I, I remember the, the, this, this, this scriptural passage where it says, those that have been forgiven much, love much. When you grasp the fact that Jesus has forgiven everything that you have ever done, everything that you will do, and everything that you in the future are potentially able to do as far as displeasing God, he paid it all. It makes it so much easier to become second and let him be first. It makes it so much enjoyable to walk with the creator instead of worshiping the creation. Beloved, the cross offers us love and hope and forgiveness and freedom. 
because we could never obtain these in our own efforts. And I love what Galatians 5.1 says. It says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. How many of you have ever been in debt? How many of you have ever felt the, the grips of, of debt and, and, and what that can do? How many of you have been free from debt in any aspect in your life? How many of you had bondage? And Jesus came in and he set you free. How many of you can testify that God has done that in your life? It is for freedom which Christ has set you free. And see, you don't have to be a slave of sin or you don't have to be a slave of the law. The cross is freedom for the ball and chain of sin and the rules that we cannot keep. Jesus came to fulfill what we can never do. He paid it all. He paid it all. Which leads us to the last point. See, we have to decide. A decision has to be made. Amen? In fact, Jesus never left people without a decision. He would go to individuals and he would say, come and follow me. Everyone that wants to follow me must take up their cross, right, and die to self and follow. God did not leave Jesus in the grave. He raised him from the dead and he gave him back his throne in heaven. He declared Jesus as the only way to heaven. Jesus' words were, I am the way. The truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through or by me. He's the only door to eternal life. And there's coming a day when we will all face our maker. We will all stand before God and we will explain ourselves. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful message. I think that's great news. The Bible tells us, as, as, as Paul is wrapping up this, 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 this passage in chapter 2, he says, Therefore God exalted him to the, very, to the highest place and gave him, talking about Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus made a decision to put us first. Will we make a decision to put him first? I encourage you right now that if you have not made Jesus first in your life, if you have not accepted Jesus as a payment of your sins, if you have not trusted Jesus and Jesus alone, to forgive you and grant you eternal life. Then I ask you to make a decision. Now. I think God would implore us. I think God invites us. To make that decision. Now. We can talk to God together. Right now. You can join me as I pray these words. Everyone, if you would put your, bow your heads and 
Pray with me this prayer if this is where the Lord directs. God, I am a sinner who needs your forgiveness. I have lived my life in the first chair. And today I've realized it's not my place to sit and certainly not my place to rule. Heavenly Father, the first chair in my life is your place to sit. And Lord, it's your place to rule. So today I am humbling myself and giving you first place by making Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and the Savior of my soul. I confess that Jesus died for all of my sins on the cross at Calvary, past, present, and even those that I'll commit in the future. I also believe he was raised from the dead on the third day, just like the scripture said he would. And today I receive your complete forgiveness. And I choose to follow Christ in the fellowship of the church. Amen. Is there anyone in here that maybe today that's, been, that's you, that's your heart, that's your prayer? Just raise your hand and let me just agree with what the Lord has done. Anyone in here? Probably everyone has said that, or if not, I would say to you, make that decision. Because there's nothing greater than making God first in your life.